my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Mark Moss Show, where we are talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about the decentralized revolution that's happening. And, uh, you know, each and every week, I try to bring you the information that you need to be successful as this as the whole world changes, that's what's happening right now. So I try to bring you the education that you need to understand. I try to bring you the latest breaking news. And then I try to bring some interesting characters uh, that can bring some uh, color because you don't want to hear me all the time. And of course, I'm joined again by my really good friend, Alex Fetsky. He is literally in the studio with me right now. What's up, Alex? What's up, man? You can't get rid of me. I can't get rid of you. You're a, you're a regular <laughs> on the radio show now. Uh, well, you're uh, I mean, you're someone I love talking to. So uh, any chance I can get you on the radio, I'm, I'm excited to do that. Um, we are, we're actually sitting in the studio together, which is uh, cool. I don't always get to do that. And we are in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. And we're working on a big project, which we won't spoil it. Um, but um, very ambitious project. We're, we're trying to write a book in three days. <laughs> this is yeah, exactly someone. Yeah. Hmm. Whose idea was this? And we're, uh, we're, we're, pretty much 
a good way through the first day. We haven't gotten very far. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, but you know what? I think we've done all right. Like, I mean, we've got to, we've got to get these definitions sorted out, but um, I think we've got a good chunk of content there. So. Yeah. So um, it's, it's uh, inspired by Bitcoin. I think, you know, for me, Bitcoin really permeates every area of life. And so I think um, it all just kind of depends on where it intersects for you. And of course, we're kind of going back to the base. I don't want to spoil what we're working on, um, but it, it kind of goes down to the basis. It's not really a Bitcoin book, but if you understand this, you can understand Bitcoin and, and everything else, I would say. Totally. Yeah, that, that's a really good point, actually. Is um, I think one thing that helps people understand Bitcoin is, as you said, understanding it the the principles or what jordan peterson would call the golden thread mm -hmm. across different disciplines and when you've sort of discovered this golden thread that mm -hmm. you find like for example you find it in the study of christianity as a philosophy or taoism or um you know you find it in austrian economics and all sorts of things and 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 when you start to find that thread across multiple different seemingly unrelated disciplines um you start to see that there's there's what's called like a meta or a way of life, um, and then when you when you have that foundation, then you look at Bitcoin, you start to see that it just lines up with so many different things, and you're like, holy crap, it just makes so much sense. So yeah. anyway, I hope that book will be useful for that at least. Yeah, so we're kind of doing it as a public service announcement. We're gonna get out there. You'll you'll be hearing about it, so just stay tuned. But uh, anyway, um, so I thought it would be cool if we could talk about today is. Um, like a samurai sword, just surgically removing the FUD, the fear, mm -hmm. uncertainty, and doubt. And so um, I just spoke at a conference in Houston with Ron Paul. And uh, from the stage, I said, uh, and I kind of broke it down. I said, you're going to hate me for this, but it's it's Bitcoin, not crypto. Come talk to me about it in the back. And so for the rest of the conference, I had to sit there and hear every objection, every reason why you know it can't be Bitcoin. And so I thought, um, let's go through... <laughs> Yeah, let's let's go through the top ones, and uh, I'd like to hear a perspective. We'll discuss these. Uh, we have a whole bunch. We probably won't get through all of them. We'll get through four or five. We'll see. Um, but let's start with uh, one of the one of the main ones, um, probably one of the the most popular ones. I mean, they're all they're all popular. But um, the first one that says uh, the government won't allow it to succeed, mm -hmm. won't allow Bitcoin to succeed. They'll they'll make it illegal, whatever. To me, the the way I kind of view this one is that's. What Bitcoin did is it, it transformed money into information. And to assume that you can somehow turn off information or turn off numbers is kind of like saying the government's not going to allow the number three to exist mm. or the government's going to turn off the, you know, the vowels in the alphabet. It's like you can't do that, man. Like it does, doesn't work. So Bitcoin's so integrated now across every dimension of all of our communication media, whether you know it's the airwaves that people are listening to now, um, you know, and that this is sort of you and I talking to people while they're listening to this, whether it's the internet, whether it's uh, visual media, whether it's written media, it's it's across everything. And you know, a lot of people conflate the internet with Bitcoin, and they say, oh, you know, so if someone turns off the internet, you know, and what if the government just you know blocks X Y Z? Yes, that may have an impact on Bitcoin, but it doesn't actually stop Bitcoin. The internet and all of these mediums are just information transmission mechanisms, mm -hmm. but they're not the information itself. And I think that little separation there is really important for people to understand is like, there is no power in the universe like that 
can destroy information, that can destroy energy. That's effectively what Bitcoin is. So just because a government has the ability to legislate things or to write laws or to, you know, by decree tell people what to do and apparently what to believe, um, doesn't mean that they can change the laws of physics, doesn't mean that they can change mathematics, doesn't mean that they can just randomly turn off numbers and letters. Like, the, 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 yeah. no government, no institution, no person has that power. So, yeah, that that applies to Bitcoin. Bitcoin is information, and it's just not going to happen. So when they say they won't allow it to succeed, they could uh, make it illegal. They can make it illegal, but it'll, it'll just succeed in a different dimension, mm-hmm. and it'll succeed for different people. Um, and what what it'll do is that they might delay it, they might, um, through uh, trying to you know make it illegal for one group, um, you know another group may amass more of it. So so for example, I'll, I'll give you one example: is let's say they go and turn around and make it illegal for you know standard law-abiding citizens to acquire some Bitcoin. Well, they didn't kill Bitcoin. All they did was they made it uh, harder for normal law-abiding citizens to hold Bitcoin. But then, guess who's going to buy all the Bitcoin? The criminals. Sure. So then the criminals are going to actually have disproportionate economic power over the law-abiding citizens. So all they've done is they've hurt their own people. So, you know, wasn't the government supposed to be a service provider for the people, you know? And, I mean, in typical government fashion, they, they always do the opposite. So they may do that. So what that kind of leaves you as an individual to decide is, do you want to... Do you want to be subservient to what some authoritarian institution, you know, tells you is right, wrong, or indifferent, or legal, or illegal? Um, Or do you want to own yourself um, and give yourself the best long-term opportunity to be sovereign, I guess? Good. All right. Um, How about this one? Um, So Bitcoin has a fixed supply cap, only 21 million. And a lot of people say, well... They could just change the rules. We can just someone can just change that later. It's just code, right? They could just change it. This one I love because this is one of the ones that fries people's noodle. Is um is Bitcoin security is super counterintuitive to how traditional security works, particularly in the software space. But that's is, that's the whole revolution. It's completely changed it. Yeah, it, it it flips everything on its head. So traditionally, like if you're a Microsoft or a you know whatever traditional um you know tech company that's probably been hacked and you know lost all its data the way you secure data is you kind of put it behind walls of encryption mm-hmm. right and you 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 do all this sort of stuff and someone inevitably holds some key to some layer of encryption and that's how you end up you know getting through the stuff um you know encryption is very rarely broken um hacks usually happen by social manipulation and you know accessing the person who has the key right, right. now what Bitcoin does is it just opens all of it. So it breaks all the walls down and it says, hey, here's the code. We've got nothing to hide. Everyone can see it. Everyone can create a copy of it. Um, and Bitcoin security comes from its openness in this sense is that we all carry a copy of the Bitcoin code. And you can think of the Bitcoin code as like a constitution. So it is just the Bitcoin's constitution written in a language that is a coding language. And we all carry a copy of it. And if you or I want to go and change Bitcoin, we actually can, but all we do is we actually change our copy and not everyone else's copy. So Bitcoin's innate openness means that you are free to change whatever you want, but you knock yourself off the network 
and you are no longer in sync with everyone else. So now, like, if I change it and I change it to Bitcoin Svetsky's version, I'm Bitcoin SV. Not yeah. Yeah, I want to talk about that because that actually goes into the next piece of FUD that we have. If you're listening to the Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin, the decentralized revolution. We're talking about some of the biggest objections that people have. I got a whole list of them. Don't go away. I'll be right back. All right, welcome back. You are listening to the Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin, and we're talking about the decentralized revolution. Um, I am in the studio with my good friend Alex Svetsky. You can find him on Twitter at Ghost of Svetsky, S-V-E-T-S-K-I. And um, we're talking about some of the biggest pieces of FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Uh, we were just talking about uh, why the government won't allow it. And we're talking about the rules that can't be changed. And Alex, you were talking about how um, this is decentralized databases and then how it's open source so anybody can see it. Um, so I think maybe you want to finish that up and then it kind of goes into the next one, which is, was it started by the CIA? And I think those actually two kind of go together. They really do. So once again, the Bitcoin network isn't some piece of software running somewhere that we have um, access to. Each person running Bitcoin actually runs Bitcoin. So when right. someone asks the question is like, who's running Bitcoin? It's like, the answer is me. Yeah, and the everyone. You. Yeah. yeah. It's like, and anyone who chooses to run it. And the only reason we have a network is we're running the exact same version. Right. And and that's that that's the piece that people really need to understand is anyone can change it, but when they change it, it becomes their version and they are no longer in sync. They're no longer in consensus with the rest of us. And that's what makes it super, 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 super powerful is that that's what makes it unhackable is there's nothing to hack. You but go and change it. Change yeah. it to 42 million, but now it's like Bitcoin 0.42. Like it's it's something else. And therefore, Bitcoin's integrity, the 21 million, can never be changed unless you get every single person on the planet who is running a version of Bitcoin to do that exact same change at the same time. Or the, or the majority of them. Not even the majority. You'd have to get everyone because you, you'd need like – because what will happen is like if the majority change – um, all they do is they fork off onto a different version. Right. Um, and now the question is, will people follow that version, which is someone who decided to change it, for example? Right. Which the, the best example of that is the, the, the block size wars. Absolutely. So everybody, every, anyone who's interested in learning more about this specific answer should read that book, The Block Size Wars, because Bitcoin had to fend this off. As a matter of fact, I think it was 80% of the miners turned against the network. Um, and it still held it off because of the nodes, which is the network, the databases held that off. So, um, one, not only would it, we have, we have proof of, of how it's happened in history. Um, so we kind of, we kind of know that, but I think, uh, anyway, so yeah. I was going to say one of the best ways is like try and get 10 friends to decide on where to go for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Seriously. Like yeah. <laughs> that, that doesn't work. I mean, try and get you know, a hundred thousand nodes to, to agree on something ain't going to happen. The other thing I would say about that is just like the block size wars, that was years in the making. And so it's not like, Oh, what do you mean? It switched yesterday. I didn't know. Like if, if somebody was trying to do this, we would know long in advance before it ever happened. And that gives you plenty of time. So even if somebody tried to do that, um, it's not like it just would happen. Yeah. Coordination so. is a hard thing. Co coordination is a problem that's never accurately been solved by humanity and never will be yeah. because we're talking about individuals who value everything subjectively. We're all yeah. different. Yeah. You can't get us to coordinate. So um, I think that open part maybe goes in the next one because a lot of people say it started by the CIA. Now, I, I think maybe that got its uh, 
its beginning origin of the rumor because I think the government did create encryption, right? They used it in, during wartime probably to send messages back and forth. So encryption has been around a long time, probably created by the military. Um, but people think that Bitcoin was started by the CIA. Yeah, well, I mean, to, to your point about encryption, encryption just goes back even further. So it's like the, the original encryption was like, let's say you've got an alphabet and oh, you sure. want to say, I love you. Or, you know, the, the first encryption was like, move the letters of the alphabet across by five. Right. And then the private key to unlock the encryption was uh, A plus five. Right. Move the, the cipher. Alphabet across. That's it, exactly. So so encryption has always existed. And yeah, arguably, maybe it was military, maybe it was whatever, like you know, in, the, in the early days, trying to send messages to each other that nobody else could read. But um, yeah, mod modern day encryption, you know, a bunch of it was funded by the military, a bunch of it was funded by, you know, or, or just cryptographers and mathematicians and university, you know, PhDs and all this sort of stuff like uh, experimenting with that. So the, the piece about the CIA creating it, though, that may well be the case. But once again, similar to, you know, as you said, this links into the previous answer, it, it doesn't actually matter. They may have done it, but all they do is hold a copy of it and good Good for them. So yeah. do I. And, I. and I think the key piece that I hit on that was like, if they had put some, I think people ask that because maybe they put some back door, right? But like if it's open source, so if they had put a back door, like we would know about that yeah. by now. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the, the back door is visible. So there's no like, th this is again, like you can do a back door in a closed source piece of software, right? So Microsoft could put a back door in their little and, and closed environment. And they do, of course. They do. Yeah. So Google, so could everyone. But Bitcoin's not closed, so there's no door to put. Like the, 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 all the doors are open, all the doors are back doors, all the doors are front doors, they're all the same door. Um, yeah. And that's, that's, again, Bitcoin's security comes in the, fa in the form of not trying to enclose and conceal, but just opening everything and making it completely transparent. Yeah. Um, the next one is a bigger one. So let's, uh, we'll, it's a big one. We're going we're gonna to get to this one after the next break. Let's jump into this one. Maybe it's a little bit shorter, but... Um, People think that inflation is needed for economic growth, and so a fixed supply or deflationary currency or disinflationary currency could never work. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you got two minutes. Go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was this the short one or the, or the big one? It's a trap. Um, okay. the 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 thing. I always try and come back to first principles on this. Is like money is supposed to represent some extension of. The, the time and energy you put into creating something of value, right? And if you could, you know, time and energy are inelastic. They're, they're the same for everyone. Um, they're, they're fixed quantities. And, you know, yes, you know, one could argue that uh, you can extract more energy and all that sort of stuff, but but you can't destroy or create energy. All you can do is extract it, right? So and then our ability to extract more just increases how much value we can add with the amount of time we have. But at the end of the day, they're fixed quantities. Money is supposed to be an extension of those Money should be fixed. It doesn't matter how much money you have. What matters is how divisible that money can be. And the difference between a dis, like you've got potentially a deflationary currency, an inflationary currency, or a disinflationary currency, which really the better word for that is, I think, a fixed supply, right? That is perfect money because that is perfectly scarce. It means there's, there's an amount. We all know it. That means you know your proportion in relation to the whole, and you can never be diluted. And your what you've um, acquired maintains purchasing power over time, and maps to the collective productive capacity of the society in which you operate, or the society in which that money um, operates. So, it's 
the supply itself doesn't need to be elastic. The supply needs to be fixed. And then the purchasing power can be elastic. But if you make the supply elastic, then the purchasing power goes all weird. Yeah. Um, and then you get all sorts of other problems. So yeah, I'm not so, going to answer that well. So you either, um, you either keep the currency price flat, a dollar is a dollar, but you increase the money supply, but then the price of goods and services goes up. Or um, the money supply stays fixed, the price of goods and services stays fixed, but then the money supply goes up, right? It, it buys more goods and services in the future. So the value accrues to the money as opposed to the assets. Correct, exactly. Yeah. And, th and that's what you want. Then that yeah. enables the thing that all civilizations need, saving. Yeah. So you could, yeah. I just say, uh, would you rather your money buy more goods and services in the future or less? And everybody wants more, of course. Uh, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. I'm in the studio with Alex Svetsky, and we are talking about uh, FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. We're breaking some of these down one by one by one. We got some more big ones to jump into, uh, some real big ones. See if we can get them all done here. Um, don't go away. We're going to be right back with more. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. 
This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show, and we are talking about Bitcoin, of course, each and every week. Same channel, same time. So make sure... Put it on your calendar. Don't miss. Don't miss out uh, unless you're driving. Then wait till you pull over and put it on your calendar. But um, you're listening to Mark Moss. I'm in the studio with Alex Svetsky. You can find him on Twitter at Ghost of Svetsky. He's uh, with Amber. Get Amber. Check him out. Uh, a company that can help you jump onto the Bitcoin bandwagon. Uh, get in. Get in the group. Be 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 an individual, but but part of a group. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so check out check out Amber, uh, but but Alex, we were talking about some of these these fear uncertainty doubt headlines. Um, so the bigger one that I, that I was waiting for, I don't know, they're both big, they're all big, but um, one of the big uh, one of the big ones that we hear all the time is um, isn't Bitcoin older technology? Like isn't it MySpace and like we have like Facebook Ugh. or something okay. now? Can, can we? I I got one final thread from the last one before okay so the one before before the break if you're just joining us we were talking about why inflation is needed for economic growth and we were talking about how most people think that the money supply has to expand for the economy to expand um so go ahead alec what do you want to add so i was just gonna ask you about innovation Mm -hmm. so what does innovation do to generally the the um the price of something well, I mean, typically, I believe innovation is always going to be deflationary because humans are always trying to get more for less. Mm-hmm. So I used to carry one rock by hand. I invented a wheelbarrow so I can carry 10 rocks at one time. And so everything that we're doing, all progress is typically going to be deflationary. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah, totally. So so what I try and tell people is like the, the forcing function for evolution uh, comes in two forms is efficiency and efficacy like doing the thing better and doing more of the right thing so so that that they're the forcing functions of innovation is like when you innovate something when you make something better you do the thing better so you can do more with less Mm -hmm. um and that that is that's the process of economizing that's like literally the definition of economizing yeah so realistically if you assume that innovation is synonymous with progress um, that means that the price of goods, services, and everything, like if we're progressing, if we're getting better at something, should always be coming down. And th- this is why, like, I think people misunderstand um, the the whole inflationary money thing. Is like when you increase the supply of money, that means there's more money chasing the the same amount, or even still maybe more goods and services and products because the innovative force always exists. Right? We're always producing more stuff, but by and large, like everything should be coming down in value if the money was fixed. And that's yeah. that's literally how things should behave. Yeah. But we're doing it backwards. I, I like to use the example of a cup of coffee. So, you know, 1971, a cup of coffee was whatever, 10 cents. Today, a cup of coffee is four bucks. And like, don't you think with all the technology <laughs> that we have that it would be cheaper to get a bean from Colombia to here and roast it and get it in my cup? Like it should have gotten cheaper, not totally. more expensive. Totally, totally. Yeah. And like, it's it's such a, such a farce and it's it's so it's so backwards and and i think like we need we need a 
slap people out of the hypnosis on this one because that that's such a big, 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 big problem. Yeah, of course, um, people are taught that because it works with the system they want, right? And so they want everyone to think that they have to continue to cre create more money. Um, and so you've been taught that. And so you're not wrong in what you're saying because you're reciting back what you were taught, but you just haven't taken the time to stop and think mm. about that. Um, so um, these are ones that we get to talk about for an hour each, yeah. but um, we're giving you the short versions. Uh, so Alex, back to you. Um, isn't it older technology? Is yeah. that slow and dumb and stupid and antiquated? So the, 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 this one, I mean, you can answer it from so many ways. It's like, first of all, Bitcoin's not just the technology. Like Bitcoin is a is a money. It is a it is a network. It is a form of consensus. It is a um, it is an energy transformation mechanism. It is a communications protocol. It, it's it's all of these things. And I guess trying to tweak bits and pieces of the technology is trying to kind of apply the mindset one would apply when building a piece of like an app for example you know yeah sure okay i can upgrade the app you know but to do that means that someone is in charge of the company that is in charge of the app and is in charge of the product bitcoin's not a product that you just go and adapt and change like bitcoin is a money and its job is to place money in the realm of the physical laws of the universe. Like, can you go and upgrade by any chance the speed of light? I don't think so. Like, right. you know, but that means that we can all operate on that standard and we can then measure. Like, I mean, we can measure what a meter is. We can, you know, we can create all of the technology that we have around yeah. us by understanding these physical laws. And that's what money is now with Bitcoin. So it's like, it's reached perfection. What about um, being slow and dumb and whatever old tech um if you think about things in terms of progress um we progress based off the amount of attempts or tries that we have at something and so if something is very basic if i have a flat table i could build almost anything on top of it but the more complex the surface is it limits what i'm able to build on top of it and so if you understand the way technology works you understand it scales and layers because everything's a trade-off and so as i build because i have a very basic base layer it gives me more options and i can assign different trade-offs as I scale up versus some of the other ones that are much more complex base layers, it limits what you can do. Totally. Yeah. So, so that's, that's the idea of standards and, um, and simple primitives. So if we look at, um, language, language is a good one. You have five vowels and you have 21 consonants in the English language. Okay. Um, you don't make English better by changing the number of vowels and mm. the number of consonants. Like we yeah. have a simple standard and we all have found emergent consensus on that standard. And, with that, we can create an infinite number of, um, I guess, variations in, right. in what we're discussing. Um, another one is the internet. So you've got this idea of what's called a dumb network versus a smart network. The internet itself is a completely dumb network. All it does is it routes packets of data. It has no idea what the hell those packets of data are. But how we abstract that means that we can create infinite complexity in terms of what is shared on the internet. Yeah. But at the very base, all it is is just ones and zeros being routed. And that's what Bitcoin takes that premise. And all it does, Bitcoin's fundamental function is to route packets of money in the form of UTXOs yeah. between nodes, or not even between nodes, between addresses that are mathematically derived. So it does that perfectly. And that foundation is as solid as it gets. Yeah. And on top of that, through layers, we can build whatever we want and we can abstract all sorts of complexity. And that's the thing. It's like you need a standard in order to have complexity. If you have complexity, you can't have a standard. And not just that. Um, I asked a few people 
like uh, just to what you just explained, I mean, you understand kind of how the internet works and you have your ISPs and your DNS and, you know, then you have like your TCP IP, so your IP address and your transfer protocol. Um, and you have one transfer protocol, TCP IP protocol, and you have billions of, of applications built on that. My personal website or Facebook or Google, everything's different, Netflix, but they all use one transfer protocol. So then I'd ask people, are you a TCP IP maximalist? Because like, mm. do we need more of that? And also, what would happen if you changed the TCPI protocol? All of that value, trillions of dollars would be wiped out. But you can't change that. And so we need one. And so kind of to your point, that's, a, that's like an information transfer protocol. Now we have a value transfer protocol. And as long as it does what it does, we can go ahead and, and do, you know, add all that on top. And I would just say um, the other thing is that using layer two and now whatever layer three or whatever they're calling it, um, we can already transfer Bitcoin faster, cheaper and more private. So all the other coins that are doing that, mm -hmm. that's kind of out. Now we're seeing smart contracts. All the smart contract platforms are out. And, um, you know, it's opening up all these abilities to add all these things. So what maybe it was slow, dumb and stupid, you know, a few years ago because people didn't understand that technology scales, but where we're at today with layer two and layer three, we're already seeing it as advanced, if not more advanced than any other, other platform that's out there. I was going to say, think of the human body. Like you've got arteries, you've got veins and you've got capillaries and they each perform a different function. So anything in nature, anything that is functional has to scale in layers. And yeah. Bitcoin is just evolving along, you know, natural, Order. Yeah. Yeah. Good one. Good one. All right. We got, uh, we got a bunch more here. I don't know if we're going to get through them all. I, I ran a poll on Twitter and got, um, all the ones that they thought were the most, uh, the biggest FUD headlines. I think I got like 20 of them here. Um, I got some other big ones coming up. Uh, you're listening to the Mark Ma show. We're talking about Bitcoin. Of course, we're talking about this decentralized revolution. We're talking about uh, the biggest objections that we hear. Um, and hopefully this makes sense to you. You can go back and, and have some more education. You can talk to some of your friends and family and, and, and beat the FUD. I'm with Alex Fetsky. We're going to be right back with more FUD bashing. So don't go away. All right. Welcome back. You are listening to the Mark Moss show and we are talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about the decentralized revolution and I'm in the studio with my good friend, Alex Fetsky. You can find him on Twitter at Ghost of Fetsky. Uh, you can check out Amber, get Amber and see what he's doing. If you want to get into the Bitcoin ecosystem, it makes it super easy. Um, and we are talking about FUD. We're talking about different ways um, that people seem to try to criticize Bitcoin or whatever, things that are maybe held up, holding them back. And so we're breaking them down one by one. Now, uh, we went through... Uh, Government won't allow it to exceed. We talked about the rules could be changed, more than 21 million. We talked about it being started by the CIA. Uh, we talked about uh, inflation needed for economic growth. Uh, we talked about it being older technology. We got through, actually, dang, we actually did pretty good. Got through a bunch. If you've missed any of that, then you missed it. So don't miss it next time. Put a reminder on your phone. <laughs> be with me on this channel this time next week. Um, or check me out on the podcast. Uh, just search uh, Mark Moss Podcast. Uh, Mark Constructors, you'll find that. All right, now let's jump into another one here. So we need more fairness in the world, Alex. We need more oh. we, we need more fairness. We need more equality. And Bitcoin will never be it never lead to equality because there's an unequal distribution because what about the poor people that can't buy Bitcoin right now? I would agree with we need more fairness, but we don't need more equality. So like fairness and equality uh opposite sides of the spectrum you know so so if i like for example if i have a game and we put a bunch of people on the field like 
to compete in that game. Like the rules need to be fair, which means they need to apply to everyone during the entire game all the time. And the result will be an unequal result. Like each of the players are different. They play a different thing and someone's going to win, right? So life at times is also unfair. But realistically... In in, in that game, you almost need the unevenness because that's where you get your competitive edge from. Totally. So like I might... uh, You might be bigger than me, but I might move quicker. Correct. So then I'll use my... um, disadvantage or advantage to to play the game differently than you would correct and that's the thing i think like you know anyone who spouts this idea of like equality doesn't understand the fact that diversity is also indirect uh opposition to equality like for something to be diverse means that there's multiple dimensions means that there's differences means that by definition it's unequal and that I think a lot of people just also just conflate fairness and equality. And, and that's the thing. It's like Bitcoin is perfectly fair. Bitcoin doesn't discriminate on who you are, where you are, where you're from, what your name is, what color you are, what background you are, whatever. Bitcoin is just information and anybody can acquire it at any time. Now, it just so happens that some people have access to the internet. Some people are more curious. Some people, you know, have more money at the moment, you know, than others and all that sort of stuff. And, People are acquiring Bitcoin at varying rates, but that's not Bitcoin giving one group or one individual an advantage. Bitcoin is just fairly available, but unequally um, unequally held as a function of how people get to acquire it. So one of the examples I always give to people is like, oh, you know, so what about some rich guy who's, you know, got billions of dollars at the moment um, versus some poor person in Africa who doesn't have it? And I was like, there is a bunch of rich people like Peter Schiff who ain't got no Bitcoin and probably ain't going to get any Bitcoin until it's worth tens of millions of dollars per yeah. coin. Whereas there's an African out there who's got nothing at the moment and he's doing some work and he's earning some Bitcoin. He's probably going to have more Bitcoin than Peter Schiff yeah. when the time comes. But that's not up to me to decide. That's up to every single individual to decide. Yeah. I like that uh, definition of equality versus fairness. And, and, and you know, you look at um, in the United States um, – there's a lot of uh, anger, disdain towards the rich people. And um, it's almost like people don't like rich people anymore. Hmm. Um, and, and it's interesting because uh, there's so much, you know, whatever, anger towards that. Um, but then you look at like LeBron James and if in basketball, like he's the best player. Well, I don't know. I'm not a big basketball fan, but he's way better than I am. But nobody's mad about that. Hmm. And I think the difference is that they recognize that the rules of basketball are fair but they understand the financial system is not fair. And so they're mad that they've got ahead gaming the system, whereas in basketball, you can't game the system. That's such a good observation. And and, and that's the thing is like a lot of people, they sense that something, and this is the thing, human beings are intuitive, right? Like we sense, we know that something's wrong. Like we know that somewhere in the game it's rigged, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so there's, there's a bunch of people out there that are just like, they're not working, they're not adi- adding any value. And here you and I are like busting our balls adding value. Yeah. And it's like, it's rigged. Yeah. And, and no one likes a rigged game. Right. Right. And that's, you know, part of what Bitcoin fixes. It's like, okay, well, here's the rules. They're the same for everyone. And I don't care if you're, you know, black, white, woman, kid, child, mom, grandma, you know, you got three heads, five legs, doesn't matter. <laughs> it's the same for everyone. Yeah. And nothing anybody can do can change that. So that's the ultimate definition of fair, but it'll all ultimately result in an unequal distribution, which is perfectly fine because that's what we do as human beings. And then you and I are different. And then, you know, the Bitcoin will flow 
to whomever for whatever reason um, in, in whatever subjective value someone, you know, wants to like, yeah. you know, impose on it. So let's take that, which then goes into the next question, which I think is that last piece. So um, people think that um, people will just hoard a deflationary currency because if it's deflationary, then the value of that money is going to keep going up. And so if it's going to keep going up, I don't need to invest it. Why would I spend it? Everyone's just going to hoard it. We're going to have no velocity and everything's going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that that would assume that nobody needs to eat and nobody needs to <laughs> right. like, live somewhere, right? So, yeah. it's, you know, as, as much as you want to hoard, you know, your gold or hoard whatever, like, I mean, gold was extraordinarily uh, disinflationary. Now, it was slightly inflationary, but by and large, like, if that was true, then nobody would have spent gold. So, at the end of the day, um, people need to eat and people need to buy stuff to live and to subsist. If Bitcoin does anything and you know it makes us think twice before we blindly consume things then hey that's going to solve 99% of the problems we have with the world today in terms of like yeah. overconsumption and pollution and all the junk that everyone's you know complaining about like you know don't try and uh, tell people what they can and cannot use allow them the opportunity to save and decide whether they want to consume or not because, you know, like for, I always use myself as an example. Like I used to want to, you know, buy a motorbike and, you know, car and nice stuff. These days, I don't care about any of that stuff. Like I've become way more frugal, way more sensible with my money. I think way more long term. I don't consume mindlessly. I don't waste money. And as a result, my probably carbon footprint is 10% of probably what it used right. to be yeah. as a result. And that's not been through any government intervention, not been through anyone forcing me to do anything. It's just been through me thinking twice about how much I want to spend that which I've saved. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Jeff Booth talks about that. Like all these people trying to talk about um, fighting car- uh, climate change. And um, you can't really affect climate change unless you reduce consumption. And one of the ways you reduce consumption is stop inflation. And, um, yeah. you know, so exactly to your point. And, um, you know, <laughs> we still want to eat. I still want to travel. I still want to, you know, do things, entertainment with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and still, we're still going to want those things. Uh, just to your point, we're going to think about them. Do we really want them or need them before we do? And then uh, imagine that uh, people will give up their Bitcoin if you provide them enough value in return for it. Totally, exactly. So, so that touches on the second point, which is now all of a sudden the incentive is to build things worth buying, right. not cheap plastic crap that just goes in the garbage tomorrow it's like i want to buy a useful tool or i want to buy a useful piece of equipment or i want to go and have a trip that is really meaningful you know i want to like so it what it does is it changes that dynamic from quantity back to quality yeah that's huge yeah which reduces consumption which is better for everybody um, you're listening to the Mark Ma show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. And we were talking about these, these FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt headlines one by one. I'm in the studio with Alec Svetsky. You can find him on Twitter at GoSvetsky. Um, he's uh, with Amber. Um, you can check him out online, amber.app. And uh, he was talking about Peter Schiff. He's poor Peter Schiff. He's a gold guy. He's going to end up with no, um, no Bitcoin. But uh, with Amber, every time Peter tweets bad about Bitcoin, you can set up to automatically buy. It's genius. And you'll definitely end up with more uh, Bitcoin than Peter Schiff. You can check it out, amber.app. But that's it. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back next time. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, 
Oh my god, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There are choices that can change your life. Like the choice to start routine colorectal cancer screening at age 45. It's one of the most common cancers for women and men, and it doesn't always have symptoms. But there's good news. Routine screening can catch colorectal cancer early and even prevent it. And there's even better news. You have screening options. Make the choice to put your health first. Talk to your doctor about your screening options. Or visit cdc.gov slash screen for life for more information. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 